0: The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network.
1: You're tuning in to Flawed and Fabulous. I'm Ash and I like to think we are all flawed, but we are also fucking fabulous. Welcome, welcome. Back by popular demand, our family therapist Monique Harding joins me on the potty today. Everybody knows how much I love Monique, so it was an absolute no-brainer to get her back on to talk about one of my favorite topics, relationships, and connections. Monique is well on her way to establishing herself on Instagram as a relatable therapist with fun reels, thought-provoking posts, and a genuine approach to create awareness on topics most shy away from. If you're not already following, do yourself a favor and jump onto Instagram and follow at underscore Monique Harding. The tag will also be in the show notes. I did reach out on Instagram and ask the community what anonymous questions they had for Monique and I've done my best to weave these into the conversation organically. There are a few questions that we ran out of time for but there was also a standout question asked by multiple women and we will be dedicating a whole episode in the next season to this big question. So please keep an eye out for that one. Today's main focus is is all things relationships, not just with our partners, about our life relationships and how we communicate in those relationships. We discuss social media envy, growing together or growing apart, the 7 year itch, why men and women think differently, love languages, and one of my fave topics, sex and intimacy. So if you're ready to have a good look at yourself and the way you are playing a part in your relationships, it's time to get started. Welcome Monique. Thanks Ash. And of course, Miss Courtney, producer Courtney. i still here. here,
0: can't get rid of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I would never. Um, before we get started today, we are going to hook into our angel cards and because we're both, well, actually everyone here is, there's no virgins amongst us. So we have <laughs> shuffled and dealt and we will go with Miss Courtney first. What have you got? All right. I've got daydream. Daydream. Oh, I actually don't know this one. You will
0: more easily hear and receive our messages if you daydream regularly. Relax and open your mind to receiving without directing your thoughts. Just notice any feelings, visions or ideas as if you are watching a movie. This is the seat of creativity.
1: The angels sent you this card because they wish you to be open and receptive to new ideas. It's important for you to engage in daydreaming now as a way to receive inspiration and wonderful ideas. Don't try to make anything happen. Just follow the trail of your thoughts naturally as they flow into new ways of looking at things. Write your ideas in a special journey and a journal. Sorry, special journal and ask your angels for guidance on which action steps to take to enact these dreams. Take actions without delay where you're guided. Additional meanings for this card, be open to new possibilities, allow yourself to dream big, give yourself permission to relax and let go, try something new that you've always wanted to do, brainstorm with yourself or others for new ideas. What you feeling?
0: Um, I think I've got enough of my play. I don't need to be doing anything new to be honest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you are working on something that is like a... Oh, oh, like another product yes. that I'm releasing?
0: Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. so. I was yeah. like, hey, wait, what is this I was secret? like, I started,
1: I, I, I started talking and I'm like, I am want to eat my words. <laughs> no, no, like,
0: no, it's all right. I'm, like I said on my Instagram last night that I'm like working on your product. I'm just trying to get it out, like the supplies and stuff over Christmas. It's hard. So yeah. hopefully it'll be out this year, but maybe next year. But yeah. The Christmas hustle is real. Yes, it is. So, yeah, I guess it could be about that. I'm not really much of a daydreamer. I wouldn't it's telling you to be one. That's yeah. the point. I don't really <laughs> sit down and just like. That's how Think. the creative
1: juices come.
2: <laughs> anyway, Monique, what have you got oh, over this there? Is so good. <laughs> Let's see, Monique, what have you got? Okay, mine is mine's daydream. What? Oh my gosh, we have different boxes. Oh, I She's... was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, that's not even possible. Well, that saves us a lot of reading time. <laughs> no, that is so- so weird. Monique, how do you relate to this girl? Oh, I wish I listened in to yours. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Monique, Monique, look it's staring it's so at the so wall. Maybe I was daydreaming. You <laughs> were daydreaming.
1: So weird. That just really... I'm, you I'm were having, so confused, I'm your having, face. i had a big weekend and that thought process, I was like, How <laughs> oh, could this happen? <laughs> <laughs> the
0: system is broken.
1: <laughs> I'm like, hey, they've doubled up on Anyway. <laughs> oh, hot. Oh, there know. Um, go. Yeah, okay. Well, I've, I'll just give Monique a little little rundown of, because um, if she wasn't <laughs> listening, <laughs> I can't even find the place. A, B, C, D. There we go. Um, you need to be open and receptive to new ideas. The mm.
2: end. <laughs> Think
0: about it while but- you sit down quietly. <laughs>
2: No, I think that does apply to me at the moment. Yes? Yeah. I'm going to be doing some online programs next year. Yay! So, yeah, maybe maybe that. Yes. Well, Hmm. it says
1: that's how your creativity is going because it is like the online programs, I just... Did a series and it's really hard to mm. come up with the the content for that and to think like is this appealing to people especially when it's your first time around because there's lots out there but um, I'm sure everything that you create will be right on point and that leads me into today which last time Monique was on the podcast we were talking about grief loss and trauma which isn't really well it is a topic that a lot of people can relate to but today's topic is a very relatable topic because in some way or another we are all in a relationship, whether it is with ourselves, our partners, our children, our work colleagues and our friends and I wanted to really knuckle down on the importance of communication in a relationship and um, how that can help grow a relationship, break down some barriers and kind of like with Monique's professional opinion, what are some of the most common problems, if you want to call them problems, issues that um, people, couples face when they do come into the, the therapy space um, and yeah, also share a little bit about my journey through therapy and things like that and things that I've learned about communication and I've definitely very proud of how good I've become at communicating um, but that has taken a lot of a lot of work two so I guess I'm gonna hit it off with like the first question there Monique um is there like a common reason standout reason that most couples come to counseling
2: yeah absolutely I think there's probably two main ones or main themes that come up. Um, One of them is conflict management. So how do we work through our differences? Mm -hmm. So either things are escalating or things are getting swept under the rug. Um, And how do we actually communicate about that? So that's not detrimental to the relationship or the family or whatever it is that we're working with. The other one is when there's been some kind of well, I would call regrettable incident. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so that like could be. <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. so, <laughs> so it I could be in right a there. <laughs> Yes. Um, but some people are very sensitive with that language. So yeah. um, Sorry, Triggered, uh, gonna... yeah, sorry. but we're like, juicy, <laughs> tell us more. <laughs> So yes, affairs, um, but it could be, you know, I don't know, the the mother-in-law at the wedding showed up late yeah, um, and they just can't seem to move past that. Or um, are money issues like a big thing? Yeah, absolutely. The meaning of money, like that comes up a lot too. Um, Yeah, but it's normally there's been like one critical event that they just keep fighting over and it comes up in every single conflict. So they're wanting to move through that. Yeah. I guess outside of that kind of couple stuff, sometimes it's parenting issues too. Yeah. So they come because they have different yeah, parenting that's beliefs. Yeah. definitely been in this phase of
1: my life, one of the main things, because Eden and I are not an organic family. Mm-hmm. We have a blending a family and we have created these very different parenting styles, um, which we have spoken about in another episode, in another season that I cannot remember. (laughs) Uh, But I'll put it in the show notes. Um, But one of the other things when I just rattled off who these relationships could be with, and you kind of just flagged it with me then, is relationships with our parents when you mentioned the Mm mother-in-law but also a lot of people have uh, in our in our age demographic issues communicating with their parents and with um I heard think I heard you speak about it in the two open books podcasts about like not wanting to be like your parents and like you know swearing to to never do that but you don't actually communicate I have trouble communicating with with my mum um definitely but um again working on it (laughs) but but it is tricky because they're also well courtney is in her the day-to-day life of her her parents but i don't really see my parents on a daily Mm. basis and then sometimes i'm like oh my
2: god it's been a week and i haven't checked in on my mum and she's ill and i'm going to hell and yeah and It's interesting because um, this is so common. This is probably one of the main reasons that people actually come and see me specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as a family therapist, we think about relationships in systems. Mm -hmm. So systems need a certain level of homeostasis, which is a very (laughs) scientific term. A word that we're all nodding to going, (laughs) yes,
1: we all have that in our family.
2: (laughs) But basically it's just the norm right? Yeah. So they need a norm. They need a predictable way of relating to each other. And what often happens through adulthood is you know, you have the kids that go off and launch from the family, launch from mum and dad. And then there's a certain level of disconnect and distance that's needed for that to happen. You go and become your own beautiful person, do all of your own growth work. But Mum and Dad don't know about that, mm. so you return home and they pull you back into that same way of being. They don't want Ash to change; they want you to yeah. relate back to them in a way that's predictable and familiar and keeps it comfortable, mm-hmm. even if it's not particularly healthy. Yeah, um, it's that kind of idea that human beings will always gravitate towards what's familiar and over I think what's that adaptive. That that's- definitely more so for me really relatable with
1: friendships yes I feel like with friendships when you go on a growth journey or you've had an incident in your life that you know does change or shape you whatever wording you want to use and that hasn't happened necessarily to your friends they still expect you to be the same person
2: yes yes,
1: and they're like oh you've changed you're different and I'm like
2: That's not a bad thing.
0: (laughs) Obviously, I had that exact same issue, but I kind of found it in the reverse. Not that they thought that I changed that. I was like, why aren't you changing to be like leveling up now that I'm growing? You know, what I mean? I kind of found that, that it was like around my friends that were still in that sort of negative space that I kind of found that hard to be like, okay, we'll take action like I did. And I became that kind of Mm -hmm. like annoying friend that was like, do something, let's do something, you know? And so I had the kind of opposite thing happen, I guess. Yeah.
2: And that's a really, I think when you're having those feelings, when you're having those kind of thoughts, it's a really great opportunity to get curious with yourself and ask, well, what is it within me that's being triggered by either them not changing or by them staying the same? Yeah. Um, Or by them, them changing, rather, yeah, um, because there's something you know within your example, I guess, Ash, within your friends that is making them kind of uncomfortable. I would say, like, it's creating some kind of discomfort. Maybe it's they feel like they're losing you yeah. in a way, or they're not quite sure how to relate to you. Yeah, um, but obviously, they're very vulnerable conversations, yeah. aren't they? To get to yeah. that deeper level, and so if people can't access that vulnerability then we tend to find that conflict will increase, mm-hmm. even in friendships.
1: Yes, definitely. And it, currently that has been like a really common thread throughout like our my whole friendship group, like while it just feels like, you know, like the saying, like the picking of the scab, mm. like it's something under the surface and it's just been blanketed for ages. And then Something will happen and that just explodes and it might be over the smallest detail that but it's really just about something else. Yes. And then you're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> what, just, <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. And um, I did have an incident like about two or three weeks ago that I wasn't really involved in, but... I was <laughs> like, it was mm. like part, of, I was part of the topic of the conversation, but wasn't really in the conversation. And then, um, you know, my friends don't overly go out of their way to resolve thing. they sweep out of, sweep it under the rug type of thing because we've all been friends for so long. Mm. And I'm talking like 20 plus years. We've had so many bust-ups over the years that usually it's just like, ah, time heals everything. We don't need to chat about that. We'll just, like, pretend that never happened. But the morning after this incident, I straight away like, woke up and I was like, even though I was not at all to blame for this situation, I can't let this continue and be weird. And I was like, hey, babe, would really love to sit down and chat to you this week with no alcohol, no one else around, and nut out, like, what you really meant by those comments. Mm. And we did. And it's back to normal. But we could have
2: spent weeks not speaking. Yeah. It takes so much courage though,
1: doesn't it? Well, like, I guess because I have done my own growth Mm -hmm. and learnt so much over the past year, especially, and also living with regret is not something that I enjoy. And because I've had that happen, I'm like, if it is resolvable, even if it takes being the bigger person or like swallowing my pride or it's something like that. I don't really care about those things anymore where I used to like fight to my death. I'm like, nah, fuck her. I'm not apologizing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, what's it called? <laughs> Mexican standoff. I'd be like, nah, let's well, see. They can come to me. They can crack first. And now I'm just like, I just cannot even have that bad juju for like weeks in my life thinking, why haven't they texted me? Why aren't they resolving it? So mm. I was like, oh, you know what? She doesn't write back. I know I did the right thing.
2: And I think once you learn some of this stuff, it's pretty hard to unlearn it as well. Like there's almost always this pull to implement it in your own life. Mm -hmm. And the discomfort gets greater for having to sit with the Mm -hmm. disagreement or having to sit with the conflict that is bubbling under the surface. Mm -hmm. I know um, I had something recently with one of my friends as well. And I'd seen on social media that she had um, had this like birthday lunch and she didn't There was a couple of her friends there and um, I hadn't been invited. And I just assumed that she'd intentionally not invited me, yeah. And so I ended up bringing it up with her, and it was so uncomfortable. But then she told me all about how she was bullied as a kid and how she was didn't want to. We'd seen each other the night before with like family and kids stuff, so she thought it was too much in one weekend, and there was so many tears. But now, like, it's Mm. we're so much closer now because of sharing that. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of exactly
1: how like that conversation like played out. It was so uncomfortable for me to like say let's sit down and chat but mm. when we did it opened up like years of like
0: old wounds old
1: wounds but just like just just things that had been like not dealt with whether it was in past conversations mm. or that own person and I'm so glad that you brought up social media Because I, when I like think sometimes like social media is like some of the thief of all joy and happiness Mm. sometimes for someone that's in a really bad place and they do see, you know, two or three girls out of the group out for lunch and they're out having a good time and they don't think they've excluded anyone. But then there might be, and my friendship group has like 20 girls in it. It's It's a big group. so. You can't always go out with 20 people for lunch <laughs> and we all have our individual kind of closer ooh, closer groups within that. But then sometimes we're like, why wasn't I there? Or, and that's, you know, social media shows you like in your pretty outfit and out mm. having fun and we love each other and look at this. And that person's at home just like stewing, yes. scrolling, hating. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, go back 10, 10 years ago, we didn't have that. Like, we didn't have that social media of, like, documenting our whole amazing day. You'd kind of, like, bring it up in a conversation maybe, like, a week later. It'd be like, we went out for lunch and no one really gives a shit. It was a week ago. But, like, Mm. at, at the time they're just like, oh, my God, like, why aren't I there? And as we get older and we have time with our families, like, friendships are the ones that usually suffer a little bit and everyone's at different stages of their life some people you know their kids are turning 10 some people their kids are turning 2 some people haven't had children yet and they're just about to embark they don't have a partner or they're engaged or they're seeing someone new which means that they're excited for that person and they we don't see them for like 6 months because they're spending all their time with that person <sighs> But, yeah, it's just like g- girlfriends are like the best and the worst. Mm. <laughs> like they can really sometimes drain the life out of you but then they can then make you so incredibly happy. Like if you're trying to escape your partner, you're like, where are my girls at? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I need my girls. <laughs> and then, yeah, when your girls do something crazy, you're like, where's my man? I just want to cuddle. <laughs> like Take me away from them. But um, so in saying that... Um, I tend to believe that social media can be really damaging to relationships whether it's in a romantic relationship or a friendship and is that something that people bring up to you in when they come and see you that they see things on like social media and it's like triggering for them or it's more about actual um, one-on-one interactions.
2: No, it comes up a lot and in lots of different uh, contexts, I guess. Um, if there has been trust uh, ruptures in the intimate relationship, uh, that can come up in terms of what they're posting, the content, who they're friending on certain mm-hmm. platforms. Um, I think from a friendship perspective as well, there's a more global issue at play here that it's it feels connecting, but it's kind of also disconnecting in a way because often I guess the trends that we're kind of seeing now in the psychological research are that people are connecting online, they're seeing people's faces, they're showing up in say stories, but then they're not picking up the phone. Mm -hmm. They're not sending the personalized text message. Mm -hmm. So you might feel like you're really connected with this friend, but then you look back through your text messages or your phone log and you haven't seen or spoken to them one-on-one for six months. Yeah, so true. So there's that kind of level as well that, that comes into and it. And it's like people don't feel the need
1: to check in because they've seen, so they think they know that you're good. Yes. <laughs> and that yeah. what you've been up to because they've seen it. So what you said, they don't actually make that one-on-one connection mm. to send the text or make the phone call. Don't get me wrong, I don't really love phone calls Mm. like I would prefer someone to text me and then if I am free for a call like then I would prefer to have the chat because there's nothing worth it then and especially being a mum, that if someone calls you at 5 15 <laughs> yes. you're like do you understand what time this is this is the worst hour of the day that's the time down. I call
0: all my friends because I'm <laughs> way home from work
1: <laughs> now
0: I'm just thinking wow <laughs> Whoops! I don't call Ash. It's
1: right. <laughs> no, But it's like, and it, it like it is one of those things that if you if you don't have children, that is the worst. My time. friends all
0: have baby babies. Yeah, so, like there's no like school. It's not like a time. No, that's but... actually
1: worse. <laughs> so if they're not if they're not answering, you don't take it personally. Oh no, it's I would a, never. It's like actually like the worst time. You have more of a window at probably like six thirty because then the the baby is like bath fed, and you're like, okay, I can like chill out. You're not like. So Selfridges are ready in a minute. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Trying to be like, yes, I'm good. How are you? And they're like, well, dinner. And you're like, oh, my God. But, yeah, I have one friend also that usually calls me on their way home from work like three times a week. I'm like, I know you finished work at that time, but I don't. So please. And then I feel I feel rude. I feel rude having to say like, and I have addressed it because mm. I got to the point that I was like, I'm not screening your call. But I am because it's not a good time. Yeah. And then I'm like, so I'm like, do morning chats. If you're driving to work in the morning, call me then because I've been up for like three hours and that's like the perfect time. But that that different finishing time of work and, again, communication, it did take like probably like 90 missed phone calls for me to then say, you know what, it's it's not a good time. (laughs)
0: 90? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. i such a good communicator. I've come such a long way. <laughs> this, wasn't, this, wasn't, this wasn't this
1: year. This wasn't this year. It was like when my kids were actually like younger and like now I'm like, make your own dinner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to eat. You've had enough.
1: But, um, yeah, so I want to go back more to um, because, like, friendships are a huge part of our relationships, but um, a lot of, like, my listeners um, are in, like, romantic relationships Mm -hmm. and um, it's actually been surprising me this year when I've kind of gotten more into my conversation skills of like trying to like you know be more active listening into conversations and asking more questions and you know repeating back to them and it's actually been blowing my mind like how many of my friends have mentioned that they don't talk to their partner about this they don't say how they're feeling about that Mm. and um And I feel like I'm always the person like, you guys should go to therapy. (laughs) And then I feel like they look at me like, just because you go to therapy doesn't mean everyone has to go to therapy. And I'm like, they should, actually. (laughs) Like, if you're saying that you don't talk about this and you don't know how to, well, I think you need to do something.
2: Yeah, I think for the majority of relationships, even little top up sessions can be really, really helpful. Um, you know, I I have done relationship therapy with my husband and I'm a relationship therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> We are two individuals that come together with a past, with origin stories, with different ways of navigating conflict. And sometimes having that third party there to just mediate that process and overt some things that might be happening that we're oblivious to because we're so deep in it mm-hmm. um, can just be so helpful. And often it's not you need like 10 to 20 sessions. You might come for one or two. Yeah. And then you go away with all of these great tools to yeah. go and practice at home, which can be so transformative. I'm really glad that you actually mentioned origin stories because I know what that
1: is, yeah. and it was um, part of like the workshop that um, when the high love workshop that we did together, and it was t- that was making peace with your past and your origin story. But in a relationship, how can and if you want to explain a little bit about what an origin story is and how that can affect ways of communicating or. Um, block, like not blocks sorry, like barriers that people put up or things that can be triggering for them in in relationships and conversations?
2: Yeah, sure. So even Courtney and I were talking um, before about money. So uh, that's a really common one. So you can have origin stories with all different Um, aspects of life, whether it's uh, sex, whether it's money, gender, um, your origin story for conflict is a big one. So Mm -hmm. how was conflict modelled to you in your growing up experience? If you have had an experience in your younger years where conflict was really volatile, where um, perhaps it became really quite scary and maybe mum and dad were physical with each other even, Mm -hmm. then you are likely to either repeat or oppose that Mm -hmm. story go towards what's familiar or the other end of the spectrum, completely avoid it. But often that is then at the expense of you being able to overt your needs to your partner, to be able to express yourself really confidently and assertively, because it kind of all gets packaged in this what is conflict origin. Mm -hmm. So, I guess the reason why it is so important to unpack that either with your partner if you're having difficulties with a qualified therapist is so that your partner can then soothe that wound because the old wounds will come up in your intimate relationships. There's a quote which I will... um, absolutely miss say. It's something something along the lines of your marriage is a continuation of your childhood and is designed to repair those old wounds. So an opportunity for you to repair those wounds. So an example of that might be dad was never around, for example. So there might be an abandonment wound there. Mm -hmm. And so if then the partner is, say, leaving in conflict um, or is maybe pushing the other person to turn away. So he's saying things along the lines of, well, just get out or you're going to leave me anyway, or it's starting to get really quite mm-hmm. nasty. Then if your partner is aware of that, they can turn towards you and say, we're not back there. I'm here with you. You're safe here. I love you. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And that's just like,
1: yeah, it God, sounds, like a, yeah, it's, and it <laughs> sounds it. like a
2: dream, but I don't know anyone that's ever said that. <laughs>
1: And, you know, but, like, that's because a lot of people don't go and do the work. They don't understand how to support their partner, their sibling, their whoever in those relationships when there is a conflict or there is a trigger or there is a yeah. wound. Um, it, that is not common for people to know how to support or navigate a conversation to to work through that. And that's why I guess when I do say, like, you should go to therapy because, like, you get these little golden nuggets of mm. explaining you know, well, this is how you work through it if you want to work through that, and that's the thing. Like sometimes I'm like, "Like, oh, that's expensive," and I'm like, "See those new pair of shoes that you have
2: on? Like, mm. how much
1: were they?" Like, you know, you can't. i not. I know I was pointing at you then, Courtney, but I wasn't actually. Di- I wasn't actually
0: <laughs> <For> <laughs> therapy. Thanks, <Ash. laughs> I wasn't
1: actually directing that at you. You were just like my visual prop. <laughs> you looked at me like, "Um, I'm, I'm good. <laughs>
0: I haven't bought any shoes. What did she say?"
1: <laughs> but. Yeah, and it, it is it is difficult to know. And I feel like, you know, the men are from Mars, women are from Venus, the opposites attract, the yin and the yang, like all mm. these things are often said. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, I've said it too. And Eden and I, obviously you know how different we are as people, Um majority of the time we work really well together being that we have two very different personalities but it's taken a long time to understand um, those two different personalities and how we can actually work in like a family unit with communication because like Eden's pretty forgetful. Mm. (laughs) Monique knows that well. Doesn't remember the <laughs> tools he was taught at right. The tools, the conversation, the time he's supposed to be there. <laughs> There's a lot of forgetting. He's getting better and then he just has a little slip and I'm like, we're going back. He's
2: great at repair though. <laughs> yes. He <laughs> he's is. very accountable when he yes, forgets. Yes,
1: yeah. So but yeah, I guess it's that do 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 are women actually good listeners? Because I know that we all very much so claim to be, but mm. I've watched a lot of my friends in um, arguments with each other or with their partners, there's a lot of talking over.
2: Yes, yes, yeah. And that's. it's such a hard question to answer because it's kind of a yes and a no. Yeah. So women and men process language differently differently. Mm -hmm. So if you took a brain scan of a man and a woman and you put them next to each other and you looked at how, what areas of their brain were firing when they're listening, it's different. Uh, Women are also more uh, eager to listen than men. So I think that has something to do with it too, you know, our intention. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess clinically what I've observed is men are very skilled at problem solving. Mm-hmm. So say you come in and you say, I'm not feeling like we're doing the housework equally. You might be able to talk about that for an hour. This is how it makes me feel. This is what it reminds <laughs> I me of. I can. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I've seen in the past. This is what's coming up in my body. And Eden might be sitting there like, gosh, like Wrap I've got 10 <laughs> solutions here for it. But then you would walk away just feeling really invalidated if he yeah. lumped a solution on you. Um, and look, that comes up constantly in couples. That tends to be the common pattern that the woman comes to them with a problem and then a solution is kind of offered straight away. Uh, So a really easy way then to combat that is to set up the conversation with what you're needing from them. You know, if I was asking that to my husband, I'd come home and say, hey, I just need you to listen to me for now. I just need to vent to you. I don't need ideas. I've got that. I just need you to hear me out. Whereas otherwise... Straight away, why don't you just do this or I'm this or speaking. this? <laughs> <laughs> I am speaking. <laughs> it's pretty much the equivalent of someone coming to see me saying that they have been feeling low for the last 12 months and me just saying just be happy.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Very
2: invalidating. Yeah.
1: And everyone wants that space like held for them. Yeah, absolutely. It, and it, it, it takes, again, it, it is a skill, mm-hmm. if you, especially if you've been with someone son for a very long time and you think that you know them and you can just like – Go. Yep. This is easy. What you said, the problem solving. That you're like, okay, I can, I can solve this for you. And it might not be that. It's not that you don't want to listen. It's that you're like trying to be overly helpful and but like, yeah, I got this for you. Instead of like really nutting it out, going a bit deeper, figuring out where that's coming from, um, and not just being like, yeah, I've solved that for you. Because sometimes I have found that when Eden like, and I've gotten a lot better at being like. This is starting to really bother me. Like I'm getting like a tick and I'm like, so let's just put some time aside to talk about this in like an hour. Like Eden yeah. loves to talk to me when I'm making dinner.
2: Yeah. I'm like I'm Kay. fucking making dinner.
1: <laughs> I don't know what what you're talking about. I'm trying to cook. Like just let mm. me do this now. And then you know what? When we're eating the dinner, we can chat. <laughs> that we do that. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. (laughs) And he's like, it's not that hard. I'm like, you're sitting on the couch on your phone, watching TV, yelling at me across the room and wanting me to like engage with you while I'm walking back to the bench, back to the cooktop. I'm like, 15 minutes. We'll, we'll reconnect in 15 minutes. But it's sometimes he will think that it's just like a light conversation. But I'm like, you're trying to tell me like specific details about the week that mm. I need to pay attention to, or this is bothering you, or the kids said this today. And we obviously get a lot of weird conversations in our house, given our circumstances. And I'm like, I need like, not like the three words. I need like, the actual scenario, so I understand where that information yeah. came from and how we should do it. He is again getting a lot better. Yeah, but it is that thing that sometimes like men just don't. Not that every situation is like severe, but like or serious. But we, there is like key parts of it sometimes that they just don't mention. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they just don't mention, and you're like, and then they'll bring it up like three weeks later and you're like, yeah, I was talking
2: to you about that. And I'm like, you didn't say that part. Like, And it's hard to know, like, you know, that whole men are from Mars, women mm-hmm. are from Venus kind of theory, Um, the famous book by John Gray. Like he talks in a lot more now about kind of masculine and feminine energies mm-hmm. than he does so much about male and female as a gender. Mm-hmm. However, there is something to that, isn't there, around like how we're actually wired and whether that's, you know, wiring that's occurred in our experience and our environment or it's innate within us and we're born with it. But women do tend to be more emotional, and if you think about us from a historical perspective, you know, we were the ones that were sitting around and talking and collaborating and caregiving as a collective whereas the men were going out and kind of hunting and gathering and solving Mm -hmm. the problems Mm -hmm. so it kind of makes sense in that primal way and some people find that a useful template to cling to a little bit too
1: oh wow anyone else had any oh that's me or damn I need to work on that moments how good is Monique I told you guys you were going to love today's episode and if you are enjoying the podcast, please pause for a moment to take a screenshot of the episode thumbnail, share it on your Insta stories, and of course, tag me with Lavash and flawed and fabulous underscore podcast. Your comments and sharing make my heart go boom and it gets the potty out to more people.
2: Let's get back to the potty. However, obviously in Australia too, I think we need to take a bit of accountability that, you know, we raise our men to numb emotion. Yes. You know, so they're not going to be that great and unless um, they've maybe had a really great template in their earlier life experience uh, or they've done some work in like say a couples therapy or an individual therapy setting to tap into that emotional literacy and be able to communicate better.
0: Where is the line between like over communication? Because like some of these mm. things can be like the silliest little shit and like a woman might go on about it forever and it's mm. like, okay, do we need to have this deep and meaningful discussion over something that like you should have just moved past? Like how do you know where the line is? Like do we need to sit down like, and have a 30-minute conversation? Is it resolved? Yeah. Like when we
1: say is it resolved, is it really resolved or are we just saying it's resolved and then we're coming back to it and we're coming back to it and we're coming back to it. Or sometimes we just need
2: to <laughs> let things go. Do you know what I mean? I think it depends on how much reactivity it's stirring within you, right? Like how able are you to separate the emotion and the thought um, or are you constantly being triggered back into that emotion every time something's coming up? Um, You know, because most of this like couples therapy sort of relationship stuff, you could practice outside. You know, you could pull your friend aside and sit down and have these kind of conversations. But if it is a recurring theme coming up, then and you're struggling to move through it and say so your friend is presenting like they're fine, then sometimes it's helpful to turn that mirror around at yourself and yeah. <laughs> maybe you explore that a little bit more. As because I feel is. like
0: with some things that are triggers, so say like you've been cheated on in the past mm-hmm, or whatever, yes. no matter what your partner kind of does, there's always going to be some sort of, I haven't, so I'm not sure, but I'm assuming like yeah. with my friends and stuff, there are going to be little things that he does that are just normal things that guys do like, oh, he left his phone at home. He's not cheating. He just forgot his phone He's or, or forgot to text mm-hmm. or whatever. And there are things that like, no matter what he does, you're still going to have those triggers. How do you know where the line is between like, you're trying to get him to work better with you, or you need to work on your own yeah. shit.
2: I think that's a couple specific uh, dilemma, isn't it? It's a couple specific thing that needs to be worked out because everybody's going to have that slightly different line. You know, some, um, let's say we're talking about a male and female relationship here, um, and perhaps the female, because we're all you know women sitting here. Sorry, Aaron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is in but, touch with his feminine yeah. side. <laughs> Let's say the woman's been cheated on. And so, yeah, that's such a great point, Courtney. Like how uh, much then is it the partner's responsibility to soothe that wound? And how much is it actually her responsibility to explore that, to process that, to heal that kind of within herself? I think there's it's a bit of a gray area and look I see a lot of couples where the males you know really happy to if um is happy to offer those kind of secure statements like I said before but then often what I find is it gets to a point where maybe we've been working on it for a couple of months and then he might get like really fatigued with it. And that's when you know, okay, well, the balance is a bit off. Maybe she's not taking enough accountability um, for that being in her past. Mm -hmm. Um, And what that looks like, I guess, is different to everybody, whether that means then that she's just overting or acknowledging that the trigger's coming up and we find some language around that, or whether then it's time for her to kind of have a, a few of her own individual sessions to process that. Because I feel like that happens in like
0: a lot of relationships, even with like fights with your friends. Mm -hmm. It's like you're bringing your own baggage into things that like sometimes it's like you need to sort out your own stuff before you start blaming everybody else for the fight that you're in, you know yeah, what I mean? totally. It can be really, like, deflective of what's
1: going on at home yeah. and mm. then you, like, making, like, big problems within your friendship because you're not voicing those yeah. problems at home and then the smallest things can set you off in other relationships because you just, I don't know what the term is, but you just, like, need a little release, I guess, and, mm. or, like, yeah, that's just how you react. Yeah, you're, like, projecting it projecting onto big, other areas. that's a better word. <laughs> 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 um, and what's, like, I, like... Horn and I had been together for a long time, mm. um, and we had definitely gone through our like ups and downs of waves of good times, bad times, times where I was packing his bags, times where he's unpacking his bags. Um, <laughs> but Eden and I were still relatively new. and our friendship groups, a lot of our friends have been together for the five, ten, seven year um, time frame and you know when they're like, oh, you know, oh well we've been together for It's a seven year itch or, you know, we're we're doing this, or if it's been they've been together for fourteen years are like, Oh, it's just our second second cycle of the seven year itch, you know, <laughs> we're going through that little um, rough patch and you know, I I have said that term myself, but I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not anywhere close to that time frame yet. Um it's like seven month itch. Yes.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um is that is that a real thing? Is, I hate this term. <laughs> okay, good. I, I want some insight on it because I feel like it is it a cop out.
2: It's just so outdated. Right. It's based on history of when people would be together for a certain period of time, they would couple, they'd get married, they'd raise children, the children would kind of go off to school.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So there's there's uh, there's some truth in it in terms of yes, there are predictable difficult Points in a couple life cycle, um, so there's you know the honeymoon phase, which mm-hmm. after you get together, all of that beautiful oxytocin, the love chemical, gets mm-hmm. released through your body, and you're thriving on that. Then you kind of hit a bit of a lull because you get to the point where you're like, oh. Maybe now we've moved in together and we've got to navigate chores and he's he a slogan. <laughs> who did I who did I marry? <laughs> who is this man? <laughs> and then maybe the engagement, another high. Yeah. Um, the come down after the wedding, then a child. Um, so people will typically present at the point after having children. um, Yeah, understandably. Yeah, difficult (laughs) going from two to three. Um, Then children going to school, that's another navigation point because I guess from a family systems perspective, that's then the couple have a bit more space to be able to look towards each other now that kids are at school and they're not so focused on the children. They're a Mm -hmm. bit more, slightly more independent. Um, Big spike around adolescence. Mm -hmm. Um, So for a couple of different reasons, again, greater independence Independence in the kids, but then also the challenges of parenting adolescents, and then kids leaving home. So that empty nest. Yeah, the empty mm-hmm. nesters. So rather than and then you like, family there is to project. I sleep next to every night. Yeah, <laughs> like, yes. I'm, so yeah. I'm yeah. going to have to talk to him. <laughs> uh huh. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's I guess where that you know seven year idea comes from. But mm-hmm. for some people, like say a blended family, you will see them. Uh, earlier on in therapy because Mm -hmm. there's so much more challenges that that presents. Um, If someone's moved really quickly into having children um, or they've moved in together really quickly for whatever reason, then maybe there's been um, more sudden changes for them and then they might again present a little bit earlier. Whereas for other people, it could be later. There's no like hard and fast rule. Yeah.
1: And do you think that when people, When couples have been together for a period of time and people can go on um, and, look, I know that they get the midlife crisis term and, Let's be real. Some of us are getting close to that <laughs> that age bracket, mm-hmm. but um, and that's usually directed at a man. Like the midlife, you know, he's got you know, he leaves you for the younger woman, driving the car, or you know, he's like mm. dyeing his hair or something like this stuff that like women do all the time, look after themselves. But it's like reflected on a man that you know that's what he's doing. It's a midlife crisis. But with a with a woman, do you find like, and I know I've gone more internal about, like, things that I want to fix, not so much that well, I can fix a lot externally too, but, like, <laughs> I've spent more time on the internal that sometimes I feel like when I'm talking to Eden, he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I'm just going to smile and nod. And, like, sometimes he is super interested in what I'm talking about, but sometimes I'm, like, gone like, way too far. That, you know, do you find that some couples can grow together, but some might actually just grow apart?
2: Yeah. And I think that's for like a variety of different reasons. You know, some of those family life cycle points, if they haven't navigated them efficiently um, and being, there's certain tasks that you need to complete as a family and as a couple in order to successfully get through them. You know, if you continue to, you know, work as a family when with your kids at two years of age and then when they're 15, it's it's not going to work, right? You need to be able to give them more freedom. There needs to be more couple focus. So if you've stumbled along those points and it's been a bit rocky and you haven't grown through that together, then yeah, your your outcomes aren't typically as good. Um, I guess from an individual perspective, though, there's a lot happening around that kind of normally the age of 40 that people tend to kind of seek some support. You know, you've lived half of your life on this earth, roughly. Uh, So you start to ask all of those questions around, well, who do I want to be? What kind of legacy do I want to leave? How's my health? Uh, Everything just starts to feel a little bit more real in terms of the aging process. And that's a really emotional point for individuals too. So for men, they tend to externalize it more. So they might, you know, join the gym and start getting into triathlons or yeah. um, go buy the new fancy car or you know, dye their hair for the first time, yeah. start to care about different things. Uh, for women, uh, there's, a, there's a greater trend now in this kind of self-discovery, self-growth journey, seeking out um, different alternative health models and modes. Um, so and perhaps that has something to do with women's ability to tap into the emotions slightly better
0: and
1: in your sessions with with couples when they're at this this phase of life like whether they're a blending a family or they've been together for a long period of time do you feel that communication is one of the biggest things that most of them need to work on or
2: i think often it's communication within Conflict. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I guess, and this is one of the biggest myths about couples work is, people expect to come in and talk about all of their problem areas, and there's certainly an aspect to that. If there's been those regrettable incidents we were talking about before, there's a need to go back and process them effectively. However, uh, when if there's a if we've done that piece of the work, then it moves to more positive needs. So it's like, well, what is your meaning of money? What do you want your money story to be within your family? When do you feel most connected to your partner? And you're sharing those kind of really intimate, raw, vulnerable conversations. Um, that's and and that doesn't involve any problem solving. It's just you increasing your intimacy within conversation and communication. And then typically when your partner really understands you and has has that deeper sense of what your needs are. If you know, it's coming from a loving place, they'll want to go outside of that room and deliver for you. They want to be the best person that they can to make you happy because that then in turn makes them happy as well.
0: Mm. As a therapist, I've always wondered as a therapist, like I've had lots of friends who've done the sort of relationship therapy before and they've gone for years and years and years and years mm. and years. As a therapist, from your perspective, at what point do you kind of call it? Can you call it? Like in terms of... This isn't working.
2: (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Go your
2: separate ways. (laughs) Look, there's a lot of therapists who, yeah, are are very um, upfront in that respect. Um, I'm probably... Maybe a little bit more subtle in that way in terms of trying to get them to think through, um, okay, well, like, you know, uh, how invested are you in this process? So often I think that's when uh, it's not working for people because one person still has their foot out the door and say so the other person's like a 10 in terms of how much energy I want to put into it. Um Of course, yeah, there's those cases where people come in and you can see that they're not getting through the conflict. And so then I'd be having conversations with them around, you know, how are you finding this process? You know, just trying to get them, I guess, to come to the conclusion of, hey, where did we're just not really getting on the same page. I so maybe hard it would be resistance. not to say something. But you do form
0: those opinions as a therapist. Like, I don't think this is going to get I think it would work. be hard not to.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like if your friend's telling you something about their relationship and you just so desperately want to mm. be like, hello, it's not working. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> like, do
1: something. Um, but obviously being a professional, you can't do that.
0: And if being a good friend, we don't usually do it either. Well, because sometimes therapy ends up being like you have one-on-one sessions. Yes. Even for yeah. the couple stuff. And yeah. Yeah. So,
1: because some people aren't open in yeah. front of their partner. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting in this room and usually I would well, I'm I'm going to not say usually, I've re- retract that. I would say that the man usually oh, I said it again. <laughs> 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 holds back. From my opinion. <laughs> In saying something, but if you get them alone, they can talk for that, you know, hour about how they're feeling. But when you're in a couple or a group situation talking, there's always one dominant person. That's what I needed Mm. to say. There is always a dominant person in the relationship, whether it's male or female, that someone is going to do more talking and more spotlight hogging. It's usually the person that initiates
0: the therapy, right? Yeah, Yeah.
2: they're normally more motivated to – well – You'd think that. They're more motivated to change. It's often that they're more motivated for the other person to change. Yeah. Well, yeah um, validation. They're, of out, of that. they're like, after he validation. He does this. And, yeah, like it's not my fault. They want fault. you to say, yeah. you're right, they
1: need to change. I'm, I'm on your team. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I thought therapy went in the beginning. I'm like, I just need someone outside of my direct group to tell me that I'm right. Tell Ethan that he's wrong. <laughs> and then over time I realise, I'm like, that's not what it is. That is not
2: what it is. <laughs> I think when you've been doing this for a while as, as well, though, you... Um, Um, like you just learn to appreciate the uniqueness of every couple's relationship. Like, because I'm obviously coming in with, mm, you know, as a human being with my own ideas um, of what is acceptable in relationship, what's not acceptable. And so, um, you know, you get a lot of training of that over the years around how to separate yourself from the people sitting in front of you, particularly when you're working with things like culture. Um, You know, that can show up a lot in terms of, well, who's the more dominant. Spokesperson mm. there, and you know, for if, if I wasn't differentiated enough, I could be really pulled into that, couldn't I? In terms of advocating for, let's say, the woman, mm. um, saying, you know, he's um, he's he's abusive towards you, or mm. but that's my own lens, like yeah. that's not their lens in there. That might be an acceptable way, and if it's kind of good enough for the relationship, then yeah. um, sometimes that is what's healthy for them, yeah, yeah. And I guess,
1: like, a, I don't find this an icky topic at all, but, like, a lot of my friends will, like, squirm and I don't get into, like, the juicy details or anything. But I feel like sex is something that is super important mm-hmm. in a relationship, yet it's not really ever discussed mm. about Especially when you have been together for a while, yeah. and then the the things you talking about the endorphins, the highs and the lows that you know. I have friends who are like, cause they're like, I haven't had sex for like in a relationship, not, and they're like for like six months, mm-hmm. and I'm like, pardon, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that seems long, mm. <laughs> that seems like a long time, but they're just like, oh, you know, we're busy, we do this, and we're tired by the time we get to bed, and I, I look, I've I've had a dry spell in a relationship but not to like that length yeah because usually one of us whether it's horn or it was eden has like instigated sexual activity or like said you know what's going on Mm. um and sometimes it's actually like my girlfriend's like oh well i want it but like he's just not interested and i'm like well have you have you try to instigate it yourself <laughs> yeah. or are you like talking about it? they're like oh no I've brought it up like a year ago and you know it wasn't really a mm. didn't really go down that well or nothing changed so you know that's just our relationship and that's the way it is and I'm like is, is that a common thing that when people are coming in that their sexual needs are not being fulfilled they're not being open about like wanting
2: more wanting mm. less it's like, very rare I think that I would see a Couple in my setting and field of work where um, they're both reporting high satisfaction in terms yeah. of sex and intimacy. Yeah, and I think that's for a few reasons. You know, I, I always ask about it in the initial session, and you can watch the, <laughs> the response. <squirm>. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> then like... I follow that question up with, "How often do you talk about sex?" Mm. And often, then they're like, "Well, never." So, you know, you find out, well, we we haven't had sex in six months, but then also we have never had a conversation about our expectations around it, what we like, what we're into, um, you know, how comfortable we are even talking about it, yeah. talking about the process of talking about it. And I think from a cultural perspective, it's such a taboo subject, you know. So we, is. We like either my talk friends, about like, it, legit, just like
1: squirm Cringe. like yeah. if I even make like a sexual joke and yeah. they're like why are you sharing that like be quiet and I'm like well like it's, it's so sex. interesting <laughs> like it's yeah. how we all got here yeah like it's, it did like I'm just, but I'm also not shy so like I get that some people I've <laughs> got he's like a little bit rosy <laughs> no, I don't have no, any problem <laughs> I'm joking I'm joking um but yeah it's it doesn't it it's just not something that ever flags to me as an issue and, like, mm-hmm. I would make a joke to Eden and be like, you know, like, you're a little bit sad in the pants. Like, I just, like... <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, is this is her mature route, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, Gosh, so imagine I'm Eden listening to this. <laughs> no,
1: which he's not, but, like, it's just a joke. Like, it, that we more have, like, a playful approach yes. to it because yep. that's also our personalities, that sex is quite playful and, it, like, yeah. you know, it can be intimate but more, like, nine out of ten times it's, like, a playful, like, we're making jokes with each other and that's our personality and that's how we interact with each other. But then my my friends that have been together for, for long periods like of time, they're just not, it's not even a joke. Like yeah. there's no playfulness. They just, it's not even a conversation.
2: Yeah, I think people really struggle to navigate this area. It's a tough one. You know, we either talk about it really crudely, um, like a teenager. Yeah. Um, or <laughs> really clinically. Like <laughs> I am capable of that too. <laughs> <laughs> or it becomes this super clinical thing like yeah. intimacy. Yeah. Um, whereas totally. intimacy isn't just sex. It's yeah. so many other areas. And you know, if you think about what you've been modeled again origin stories mm-hmm. of sex, what did you see growing up? Like yeah. it's very rare. Not a lot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Of your parents <laughs> yeah. in movies yeah. or on yeah. TV. Yeah. Um you don't see people even talking during sex. It's like this hugely like fireworks, yeah. crazy physical thing which for most couples your everyday sex doesn't look like that. No. So, I think the people like yourself it's like hiding in the bathroom
1: before the kids come back. You've got
2: like five minutes spare. Break the taboo, make your friends uncomfortable, yeah. keep cracking your jokes. It's funny you
1: mentioned like watching film because, like, I think the first, what's well the one that stayed with me, the first sexual experience I saw in a movie was like Jenny and Forrest in Forrest Gump, and we were watching like a family movie. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the weirdest like sex. And I'm like, anyone want some water? (laughs) I've just like left the room. I'm like, I'm just not going back. That movie's done for me now. I I think I was like 12 or 13. I was like, that was just way too much um, to deal with, with a family (laughs) movie night. But let's go in, while because we're going to get all of our, our free info from Monique while she's here, that what would be your... Top tips for communicating in a relationship or even, like, noticing, like, flags, things that need to be addressed that, you know, people think that that's normal Mm. um, but not. It kind of isn't. It's something that does need to be investigated or worked on.
2: Yeah, well, I think in terms of red flags, you know, what you were uh, talking about before, if there's been, you know, a significant period of time where there hasn't been that intimacy, and if one of you is feeling dissatisfied with that, then that has become a relationship issue. That's mm-hmm. not an individual thing. So that kind of signifies that you might need a little bit of support. Uh, If there's been a past affair, a past regrettable incident Mm -hmm. uh, that keeps coming up in your conflict, chances are that's bottlenecked your relationship. So you might need some support processing that. Uh, Or if the conflict is starting to look a little bit habitual. Mm -hmm. So say, um, you know, it's escalating to the point where um, one partner is leaving the house, is leaving for a day, coming back, and that's happening on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Or it's turning into this hugely fiery Event and then it's happening again two days, three days later. So it's Mm -hmm. becoming really quite regular. Um, In terms of top tips for communicating, I think one of my biggest top tips is to always start your sentence with I. Mm -hmm. Do not describe your partner. It is criticizing and it invites defensiveness. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a really easy, quick example. Mm -hmm. I've had a full day at the clinic. I've come home. I walk in the door and First scenario is I say to my husband oh, you've been home with the kids, couldn't you have cooked dinner, the dishes aren't done, oh, you're such a slob. What, yeah, what
1: have you been doing all day? Yeah, what have
2: you been doing all day? Exactly, right? So very accusatory. What a lovely uh, <laughs> evening ahead. That is going to be a great night. <laughs> so you can predict how that's yeah. going to end. Scenario two would be I open the door, the house is a mess, the dishes aren't done, I take a big breath and regulate myself first. I turn to him I say, Hey babe, I've had such a huge day at work with clients all day and I was just so looking forward to coming home to a clean house. I can see you've been really, really busy. But have you? But I just want you you to know that when the house is clean, I feel like I can relax and I can be soft with you and playful and that's the kind of wife I want to be. Totally. What's he then going to do the next time he's home with the kids and I'm at work? well, I really hope that the <laughs> house is clean when you get
0: home. <laughs> well, He's a cleaner.
1: It, and it is it is definitely true. That, and I had a conversation with a friend like two weeks ago and I'm like, it's all in the delivery. Yep. You can still get your message across yep. with a better tone, mm-hmm. a better use of words, remove the negative tone to it and use like some positive like affirmations in there. Like because like... You know when like half the job's done? Yes. But if you were doing it, like the whole job would yeah. be <laughs> done. It, but it's just like half the job, and you're like, thank you so much for emptying the bin and not putting the liner back in. That is an amazing oh, skill you have developed regularly. <laughs> And that is one of my freaking pet hates. I'm like, I get you took the bin out, but now when I go to throw something in it, there's no liner in there. My Are you talking about your children? children? Half a job, yeah. that's what my mum always <laughs> says. I I say half job Harry, like it's like a nickname. I'm like, good work, half job Harry, <laughs> which again, not great, but we're not perfect. We're Are not able to cancel this
0: relationship <laughs> if you don't need to get back into it.
1: <laughs> but I have also then I've gotten a lot better at. My week's looking really busy. Mm-hmm. Can we sit down? And yes. you know, I'm probably not going to be able to cook dinner on like Tuesday,
2: Thursday. You're up. Yeah. Communicating your needs that's so important. And we don't do it particularly well as women. No. We tend to self sacrifice in order to please other people. Yeah. Um, more common in women than men, I think. I don't know why maternal I don't, something there's something in it, but yeah. um, women do tend to self-sacrifice and really struggle when this idea of even you know asserting your needs and bringing that up um, is put forward. Like a lot of people get really comfortable at the uh, uncomfortable at the idea of asking somebody for yeah. some for something.
1: And do you find that the self-sacrifice comes quite easily? We do that, but then
2: we're also whether the first to, like, throw it in someone's face. Yeah, it builds resent, doesn't it? Yeah. And you're not even resentful to them just after that. You're then resentful to yourself. Yeah. Like, so it's kind of this double resent and everybody is... No one benefits. Yeah, no one that. benefits. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that example that um, you were using before, though, it's because... You know, the I statements are great, but it can't be, you know, I feel that you, like that's still a you <laughs> yeah. statement. Um, whereas that's where everyone starts in couples therapy. Yeah. It's so good. Um, I feel but, that you Yeah, I can totally see that playing yeah. out. They're like, I started with I, yeah. I'm doing yeah. good. <laughs> I'm doing good. But I guess the basic template for the tips for communicating would be, you know, uh, start it with an I, what you need and then how that would make you feel. That's mm-hmm. the part that a lot of people miss, but That's Mm -hmm. kind of the the sales pitch, right? It's not just um, I need you to pick up the kids this afternoon. It's um, if you could pick up the kids this afternoon, that would make such a difference to me so that I could get this bit of work done that I've been super stressed about. Yeah. Um, So often then that kind of creates that deeper level of intimacy, doesn't it, because you're communicating more effectively.
1: Yeah, and then like there's like a reward chart that when people (laughs) people tickle it.
0: What
1: the fuck it's a reward shot. <laughs> it's a little sex joke. Okay,
0: not for kids. Not for kids. <laughs> well that was bad timing. So now what I understand is that when he puts the bin liner in the bin, he gets sex. Is that what I'm saying? He'll get a, a step towards it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when, like but that's like again our playfulness that I will make like a crude joke that I'm not gonna say about like, Hoop, reward for you. Like okay. by like following through dinner was yum. For you later. <laughs> <laughs> to try to make it very PG. I don't know uh, why
0: there's only adults at <laughs> <you> this point.
1: <laughs> oh. And then just to close, what would your one bit of advice be from reflecting on the conversation that we've had? That if someone's sitting listening to this podcast on possibly feeling resentment towards their partner or resentment to themselves about how they're feeling, whether it's through not communicating mm-hmm. needs sexual desires Mm -hmm. um even if it's just like quality time you Mm. know like a lot of a lot of people don't go out for date nights anymore because like you gotta get a babysitter and it's hard and this and that but Mm. if anyone is listening and they're having that little niggle about like wanting to work towards repairing their communication skills and relationship what what advice do you have
2: can I give 3 little yes. pearls of wisdom would More that be than okay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think the first one would be that you can't control Others' uh, actions, but Mm -hmm. you can control your reaction to them. Mm -hmm. So focusing in on that. So even if the other person is becoming increasingly frustrating to you, do some work on yourself if Mm -hmm. they're not quite ready to do that together as a collaborative thing. Uh, The second one would be something that I thought about after you were talking around the cooking of dinner Mm -hmm. is to ask your partner for permission when you want to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. Don't just assume that they're ready to have this deep and meaningful process conversation when you are, because often that's not the case. And some people, if they're slower at processing, they need a bit of time, a
0: bit of prep time to actually mm-hmm. get in the headspace to listen. At Apple, sorry, just to cut in, they call it something, I can't remember what it is, but for the employees, when they have like colleagues want to give feedback to each other, they have a process whereby they have to say, are you open to receive feedback right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if they're not, they have to then book in a time to say when they're open, they call it something, but it's a whole yeah. process with Apple where you have to like, ah. specifically and before you say anything, game. you say like, <laughs> hey, are you open to receiving you know information yeah. right now or feedback? And then they'll say, oh, you know, I'm depends is it constructive or is it like usually (laughs) it it means it's not constructive but yeah it's like a process to like check that they're okay to receive it first like if it's a similar kind of thing like you know setting those ground rules by you being like during dinner is not the time yeah (laughs) yeah permission open to receive feedback
1: (laughs) usually if it is a detailed conversation or a heavy topic or something like that it's nice just to for both of you to be like sitting there and listening Yes. not like multitasking. Absolutely. Yeah, or drunk. and that's you attune. Yeah, no, do <laughs> not. <laughs> Alcohol is not an option it's for a meaningful conversation.
2: You attune to people through facial expression too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think face to face, you know, being able to watch their eyes, watch how they're responding. Like communication isn't all verbal. Like mm-hmm. so, that's a really important aspect of these kind of more vulnerable conversations. And the other one would just be a tip of how to try and bring up some of these things, because Mm -hmm. if you brought them up specific to your relationship, that might feel a little bit too confronting for some of the people listening right now. So a really good strategy then would be to say something like, hey, I listened to this podcast and they were talking about how important it is to talk about sex. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, using that kind of you should other. Listen
0: to this podcast <laughs> I
1: found. Okay.
0: <laughs> again, you statement, Ash. Uh, <laughs> I, I
1: found I found a lovely podcast for you to listen to. <laughs> halfway, halfway, halfway. Hurry. She's getting <laughs> I'm there, Courtney. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Remember, not perfect. But um, and again, I. Uh, Love language, I can't talk about love languages enough. I think mm. that for such a, a small little like fun quiz that you can do by yourself or with your partner, it's like a complete game changer for people that have, you know, starting out in a new relationship, been together for a long time, and they don't know. It's a little quiz. We'll put it in the show notes if you want to hear more about it. I'm pretty sure it was in Season 1, Episode 3. Mm. Um, but I think that love languages are super important when you are trying to build a solid relationship with intimacy and knowing what your partner you know what what really floats their boat. so yeah and before we um, finish we have a new segment that you haven't done before Monique which is our okay. final five and I'm gonna ask you five questions and you just answer the first that come into your mind. Mm-hmm. What is your quote to live by?
2: Oh uh, sometimes the fear won't go away so you'll have to do it scared. Oh, I like that. What is the best advice you have received? Oh, gosh, that's a tough one. It would probably be something, yeah, I don't know. I don't what think? happened in your marriage counselling? Yeah. You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so such like, a tough one, isn't it? Because I th- feel like we've been talking about so much relational stuff. Yeah. It would be probably something around that in every relationship, there's a one, there's a two and a three. So there's this idea that there's two individuals that are coming together and the relationship happens between them rather Mm -hmm. than it being the two individuals. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. 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 Like it's like there's three sides to every story. Yeah. So sometimes the issues in the relationship are actually that individuals aren't taking enough time for themselves. And I know I've Certainly felt that within my own intimate relationships in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, Your core value? Integrity. Integrity. See, easy.
1: Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you had one last meal, what would it be?
0: (sighs) Oh,
2: Like hot bread with butter. Oh, yum.
1: It's like a fresh sourdough <laughs> with butter and salt. Is it's pretty damn good. It's so
2: basic, but, yeah. That, <laughs> it's yeah. the best thing.
1: I remember after I did my detox yes, and I went like, on Courtney's oh, oh. Girls Weekend, I'm like, I'm just having a piece of bread with some butter on it. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> that really, like,
2: doughy. Yeah. yeah yum. yum. <laughs> and um, your fave, Beveragino. Oh, tough. Between a Prosecco and a Espresso Martini. Oh, yes. Good girl. I'm glad it was alcohol. Um, <laughs>
1: So, <laughs> I mean coffee, water, well, coffee and an espresso, so it's totally fine.
2: <laughs> and for all those listening at home, where can we find you, Monique? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at underscore Monique Harding or my website www.ritualcounseling.com.
1: Thank you so, so much for giving up your time again to come and chat with us. It is always a pleasure and I'm sure everyone has learnt some very valuable and insightful tips and a little um, – little push from me that if you, um, obviously Monique's not always giving herself like a shameless plug, but in the world of counselling and therapy, that if you are feeling that you need any assistance, support or, you know, someone to hold space for you, um, I do hand on my heart recommend reaching out to a professional. Um, We can put some information in the show notes also about different places where people can go. But thank you so, so much. Thanks, Ash. And thanks for tuning in. Just remember, we are all flawed, but we are also fucking fabulous. This podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. To stay up to date with me, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a review and follow me on Instagram at with Ash.